Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for students looking to improve their lives and study better, and a terrible resource for those looking to become a Ron Perlman impersonator. Because I don't think either of us are very good at that. No, I don't think I could do that. (laughs) I think that I don't have any of the features required physically, mentally, vocally, none of them. Nope. But you do do know which way the crow flies. I do. It It flies straight. (laughs) Perfect line. Anyway, my name is Thomas. I figured that I should probably start introducing myself on this podcast for new listeners. And I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin. What's up, dude? I'm just uh, recording a podcast. You know what it is. That's pretty cool, actually. Just finished drinking some tea, about to drink some more tea. It turns out I'm doing the exact same thing. About that tea life. Except for I had coffee this morning. Oh, no. So uh, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about 10 apps that we can't live without. Though, I got to tell people right up front, uh, that title's (laughs) tongue-in-cheek. I didn't bring my phone to this recording. I can live without all of them. Yeah, I imagine you could live without all apps. They're just like... kind of just want to live in the forest. You know, my apps are just like, these are cool apps. (laughs) Yes. I like them. So, yeah, I was, I was writing this episode, and I was like, this is a cool title, but if if I try to keep it as serious as possible, I'm just going to end up talking about the apps that we always talk about. It's yeah. going to be a boring list, and I'll just be like, oh, Google Drive and Evernote and I don't know what else, a web browser. Yeah, like Safari, a, a your messaging, OS. your phones. Yeah. Um, Calculator. So there are, some, there are some obvious apps out there that clearly are the, the drivers of everything in my life and productivity system. People know what those are. They're on the resources page over at College Info Geek, all that kind of stuff. So today I thought we would talk about some apps that improve certain aspects of our lives. They maybe improve workflows and automate things and just make things really easy and allow us to live and work the way that we want to. And I think that a lot of the apps on this list are going to be things that people maybe haven't used yet, haven't implemented into their own workflows and are going to improve their lives as well. So... Maybe it's 10 apps that you can't live your current workflow-optimized life without. Yeah. That just doesn't have if, the right If I have to carry a phone around in my pocket, I might as well have these 10 apps. Yep. Yep. And we got our tea. I got my, my grippy thing. This thing's actually pretty you, cool. Why do you have a grippy thing? You, um, just like, you work in those muscles for a specific reason? I had one of those so back I'm, when I was injured. I'm working. I, for one, I want to improve my grip just normally. And for oh, people yeah. you who are listening have... to this, I bought one of those. Um, What's your grip strength, Tom? They're called Captains it? of Crush Grip Trainers. You can get them on Amazon. So I bought one that's a 100-pound trainer level. There's two below at 80 pounds and 60 pounds. What's and that? Then, this is the 100-pound. Oh. And then I bought another one that isn't here yet that I believe is 140 pounds. So this one, that's I can mine. close it like 10 times, no problem. 140 is what they measured when I was doing therapy. Oh, you do 140? Do you have one when, of these at 140? No, that was just my grip strength after I had healed most of it. Oh, okay. So when it gets here, what you're telling me is you're going to be able to close it no problem. I should be able to, unless I've gotten weaker since then. That's possible. Well, you uh, never know. Believe in yourself, Martin. I'll work on it. Don't have I'm going to do doubts. a bunch of montages can... with grip trainers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you want like 16 days to pass in five minutes, you just do a montage. Yep. That's how they do it in the movies. How yeah, do you think Rocky you, got so strong Yeah, but if you watch so Click, fast? though, that makes you real sad, and it's not Ooh, a great idea. That does make you sad. So don't montage your life. Yeah. Bonus tip. I'm pretty excited to get the other one here and see where my grip strength actually is. Yeah. I'm anticipating that I can close it a few times. This one I think I can do 10 times each arm pretty easily. I could do it with my teeth. That just No, don't I won't. Do that. that would hurt really, really, <laughs> really bad. Somebody was telling me the other day that, that – Certain guys will get like a filling installed in their teeth just so they can bite bottle caps off. Wait, so like they've got like a special tooth that they aim for? I guess. They're just like, I I hope I don't put it on one tooth to the left or it's going to hurt, that kind of situation. Well, I would imagine if you're putting the the bottle in your mouth, like you would feel it hook onto the metal tooth. Like you probably would. If you're opening enough bottles, you might be intoxicated. If you're intoxicated, you're just going to jam that bottle cap into your teeth. That's true. That seems like. Look, I'm just going to hope that this is risky. an urban legend because I feel like this is how the metal mouth villain from James Bond gets started. Like, that's <laughs> I hit his this tooth, story. so now this tooth has to be metal. And then you just keep going, <laughs> out, and eventually all of your teeth are metal because I you wasn't can't a aim. bad guy at first, really. I was just a guy who really wanted to open bottles with my teeth, but I, yeah, I couldn't figure out which I tooth it was. ended up with a mouthful of metal, and the only person who would hire me was this evil villain. So, you know. Fair. Job market's tough sometimes. Yeah. It's like in Thor Ragnarok. Like, that guy wasn't actually evil. He just was, like, the only guy left alive when Hela showed up. So, 
I guess I'm an executioner now. That's fair. Yeah, it seems fine. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Seems Who wouldn't? Fair. Exactly, yeah. Um, the one thing that I'll mention is somebody on Instagram told me that these things train a specific aspect of grip that isn't necessarily the optimal way to train for Ninja Warrior and rock climbing stuff. So I think that this is still going to be useful for all-around grip strength, but I do not want to neglect the other type of grip strength, which yeah. is going to be hanging off of stuff. So I'm probably going to buy some of those banana grips and maybe some like rock climbing grips eventually. I'm just picturing, I don't know what that is. Are they bananas? Oh, you haven't been to the... Um, no, I haven't. The trampoline park yet. Yeah, so they have this Ninja Warrior training facility part of the park. And one of the courses, the second level of difficulty, has a section where it's just these hanging bananas that are made out of like, I don't know, plaster or something. They're literally banana shaped. But they are banana shaped. They're yellow. They're like, yeah, they're hanging bananas. Okay. So you have to jump up and you have to grab them. They have to transfer from banana to banana. And it's actually kind of difficult. Yeah, I think you have to, to practice like that specifically. Bars. You know, yep. it's like if I do 100 push ups a day, that doesn't mean I'm going to win a fight because I don't know any of yep. those movements. Yep. Yeah. You, so I'm probably going to buy a couple of those, hang them off my pull up bar so I can do training with those. And then whenever I get my house, I will probably find the studs in an area of the house somewhere and install some rock climbing grips just so I can practice hanging off of those. And maybe there's a more elegant solution to that. Actually, it may be more elegant to put rock climbing grips on a piece of plywood and then nail that into the wall. That way I can change out the grips really easily. Ah. That would be smart. That seems fair. Anyway, let's get into these 10 yeah. apps that, wink, wink, we can't live without. And the first app I had on my list was a document scanning app. So this isn't a specific app because there's many things that can do this out there. But if you don't want to have hundreds of notebooks eventually just filling up your room or your storage space, then a great way to uh, get rid of those but still keep what you've written down is to scan what you have written or scan receipts or scan homework, whatever it is, and port it into something like Evernote. Um, now, Evernote actually has a document scanner built into it, but... Because I'm dedicated to the whole philosophy of quick capture, I don't use it because Evernote is kind of slow to open. And yeah. then you have to click new note. And then you have to click the camera button to open the document scanner. It's just way too slow. There are purpose-built document scanning apps out there that will just open up immediately to a camera, let you take your picture. Uh, most of them will actually detect the edges of the paper and automatically take the picture and crop it for you. And then you can set it up to automatically port things, uh, the scans, to whatever app you want. So the one that I use is called ScanBot, and I think I use the free version. There may be a paid version, but I don't really know what it does. Um, but yeah, it just opens up, it automatically scans whatever you want. In my case, it's usually receipts, and then it will just automatically port it to a receipts notebook in Evernote. So it's usually like what, business expenses? Yep. You're keeping track of? Yeah, just all business expenses. Okay. So if, and I hope this never happens, but if one day the IRS is like, hey, we're going to audit you, I will have my Evernote notebook full of every receipt that I've ever gotten printed, and then my email has a tag for all emailed receipts. And hopefully that will be fine. Yeah. My accounting software has a feature where you can attach a receipt to every expense, but I was like, you know what? That sounds like a lot of wasted effort. Because hopefully and I will never be audited. be audited. And yeah. if I am, I think they're going to look at my books and be like, all right, let's verify a few transactions just to make sure. And I'll be like, okay, here's the email. I can easily search for it. I don't want to spend like two hours every month manually no, attaching terrible. receipts. Though one thing that I did realize recently, um, I'm using a new password manager, which I guess is sort yep. of a spoiler for the next one on my list, uh -oh. um, called Dashlane. And... I have found that it does a better job at logging me in automatically to sites than LastPass. A lot of times, like LastPass, I'll try to click the thing and it won't actually bring up my my logins. Oh, it's like certain yeah. sites do it. I don't know why. And then sometimes it'll also like just add new passwords randomly instead of updating my current profile. But something Dashlane has is a receipt folder. So... I need to test it out, but apparently every time you make a purchase online, once you have Dashlane, it'll just bring the receipt in and create a collection for you. Oh. So I may not have to rely on the That's email tag. I'll probably still use the email tag as a backup, but that may make things even easier in the future. So that's pretty cool. And I'll talk more about that as my second list item because it is on there. But 
A document scanner can be very, very useful. There's ScanBot. There's Scannable. Um, there's way more. I didn't look up more. Because, I assume they have Scan in the name. Yes. Personally, I think ScanBot is the best. I used to use Scannable because it was literally made by Evernote. So it had like the quickest just open scan port to Evernote workflow out of any app I've tried. But I think Evernote stopped maintaining it because eventually I got to a point where Scannable would stop, it would lose its connection to Evernote like once every two days. And I would open the app, scan something, and then I would have to reconnect it to Evernote, re-log in, put in my password that I don't know. So I'd have to go to my password manager and then I'd have to open up my two-factor off, put that in. Yeah, Obviously a horrible workflow. Yeah, so, that's this is why I try not to overcomplicate it because yeah. every time something stops supporting something, I'm just like, you wasted my day just now. Yep. Yep. So um, ScanBot is a dedicated app. It's got a developer that still cares about it. So that's the one that I use. Anywho, what is your second app? Sure. Well, let's see. Well, it's my first app. Oh, to yeah. be fair. That it's it's the second app though. And it is the daily budget app. It's on okay. iOS. It's got a piggy bank icon. I don't know if it's on Android right now. I'll look it up after this. It'll be in the links if it is. We'll have an, an alternative for anything that isn't on yeah. Android since we're yeah, both like, iOS guys. We'll find something. Yep. So I really like this app because, one, it does what I once built a Google Drive sheet to do absurdly complicatedly, but it okay. does it, and it's pretty, and I don't have to keep fiddling around with my Google Drive sheet, which I kept doing. So... <laughs> Basically, it's because I keep track of my every single expense with this app, mm. every single one. So you're doing like strict manual expense tracking. Yeah. So so okay. you know how Mint pulls it all in automatically? Yeah. I don't like that because a lot of transactions on cards don't happen for a few days. They don't yeah. show up for a few days. and They're like pending for a while. And what happens is like I'll be using, I'll be using Mint or some automated thing. Or, or just my credit card has like a – it'll show you a categorization right. of your spending at the end of the month. So I'll do that. And then and then I look at it after the fact. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was a terrible problem. I'll totally fix it this time. And then mm. I go through this whole next month. And then I look at it again and I'm like, wait, I didn't fix it. How did that happen? I totally thought I fixed it. Because everything is after the fact. You don't yeah. get any – there's nothing making me think about my expenses as I make them. There's no questioning. Wait, should I purchase this? Let me check my budget. No, it's probably fine. The money comes from something, right. I think. The money fairy. So, The money fairy is a cool guy. Yeah. We're tight. Cool guy. <laughs> but the with the daily budget app, you put in your income, your regular expenses. So I got all my bills, my subscriptions, stuff that is stable is all in there. So and you don't then, have to manually enter like Spotify every month? No. Okay. No. I would have to update it if they change their price or something. But it's... But there's recurring expenses. It, it's recurring. It okay. And you can put in recurring savings goals. Okay. So it'll automatically take that out. You'll get a daily budget. So let's say your daily budget ends up being 20 bucks a month. Why not? And then... Um, Do 20 bucks a month? Day. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're right, a day. 20 bucks a month may not be enough. So 20 bucks, 20 bucks a day. And then... Uh, so you buy something. You go to the store. You buy a stupid drink because why not? Then you just subtract $5. I don't know. Then it shows you 15 but it also shows you a little preview of tomorrow... And the next day, so it's like, hey, mm. if you didn't spend anything else today, tomorrow you'd have thirty-five dollars, and oh, then so it's, so on the next day you'd have you can... like fifty dollars, huh? Fifty dollars. Okay. And so you can watch every expense putting you at your goals or not, and yeah. you can categorize them. And I basically just like that when you put it in manually, you're aware of every single thing that money goes to, right? Because otherwise. I might not even notice something gets charged. Yeah, you know? yeah. I might not even know you that I just spent this much on groceries or something. So okay. if I do it this way, I'm very aware of what things cost and what it means to buy something. Yeah. So a couple of questions about this. When it shows you that there's a surplus for the next day, say, so like say you said it was 20 bucks a day and you spend only $10 on a certain day. Yeah. Is it going to take that remaining $10 and just put it onto the next day and say it's 30 or is it going to spread like a dollar and 50 cents across the rest of the days of the month? It will just, you just have it immediately. The next day oh, will okay. be 30. However, if you do get an extra income, so if, um, I actually had to do this because I got like, uh, you know, the credit card cash back thing. Oh yeah. You know? So if you get an extra income, you can mark that in and you can choose to either give it all to me today mm -hmm. 
or you can say distribute this income and then have mm. it automatically divided among a number of days. So if you get like a Christmas bonus or something and you think it would be smarter to spend it over the next year just yeah. to increase your overall everything, you could do that. This is called daily budget? Yeah. Can you do like custom savings goals with this? So define, say like, define custom savings goals. Say like to pull an example out of thin air that bears no resemblance to reality. I'm say sure. that I want to buy a motorcycle. I'm sure that that is not <laughs> your latest thing. Um, could you use this app to say like I want to save $100 a month okay. toward this and then yes. like you would have to do it in your bank as well, but could this do that and then like reduce your daily budget? So you can on- have one, you can have the recurring savings. So if you're monthly, like, I want to put this in savings, you have that kind of savings. Okay. For something like this, they have a feature called big spendings. Oh, So okay. you put in, I've got a big spending. Let's say the motorcycle, I don't know how much they cost. Let's say it's $500. I have no idea how much a motorcycle you costs. I'm making it up. For that much. So it's $500. And let's say I want to buy it in two months. So I'll just mark up, start saving that money today. And then in two months. So then every day it'll take your daily budget and it'll be like in your transactions list, it'll say start out daily budget, $20. Then big expenses minus one fifty, and it'll do that every single day. So every it, single day until you've hit the point. You said minus one fifty off of twenty dollars, though. Is it going to distribute the one fifty across every day, though? Yeah. So oh, so, it's so like, you pick you the big spending and bucks. you say, I want to buy it in two months. So it's going to divide the cost between every day from now until two oh, months from now. Okay. So you don't have to save five hundred dollars all at once because you know that would be hard. What am I going to do? Stop eating for twenty days? Yeah. I can't do that. So what it'll do is it'll just say spend a little less every day. Here's how much less you need to spend every day for two months to end up with five hundred extra dollars. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm seeing here on the app store that there are free ver- or a free version and then there is a ten dollar. Um, I don't have the $10 version. I think I microtransactioned a couple features. You can buy extra categories. Oh, okay. So I wanted an extra category for snacks and drinks, you know, because I have a penchant for walking into Whole Foods and walking out with a snack and a drink every time. So I was like, this is enough of a thing. I want it to have a category so I know what's happening here. Oh, I see. There's in-app purchases for the... Yeah. For the free version. More category icons. Yeah, I didn't need all the features. I think I just did more categories. Okay. More category icons. So you can pay a couple bucks for a pin protection. You can do CSV export if you're doing like actual reports in a budgeting program. It's oh, a real it, you can program. also have it sync to Dropbox or oh, okay. or um, iCloud. Interesting. So I have it doing that. I don't remember if that maybe costs a dollar or something, but I would like my budget that I maintain throughout the year to be saved. Okay. I do like that saving feature. Well, you I, can just say I just it like deducts it from your daily budget so you can save for something fun. Yeah, money is so hard. To, it's so hard to think, how how am I going to save $500? You feel so pressured to save it up as quick as possible yeah. or just think it's impossible. But in this situation, it just says, no, it's totally doable. You just need to save $3 a day for two months. You're good. That's cool. I like that feature. That's a good way to, I mean, at the at the lowest end, maybe save for textbooks. But also if you have something fun you want to save yeah. for, boom. Well, you can also do it if you had to. You know, like let's say you go to you go to a doctor's appointment mm-hmm. and you have to pay for something you didn't expect, and now you, bam, three hundred dollars charge, probably for a cup of water because it's the American medical industry. Um, <laughs> probably cup of water, three hundred bucks. Now you're like, well, I, if I take that out right now, I will be negative two hundred and something yeah. for the next weeks. You could you could um, retroactively make that a big spending. Start saving today and say, I want to pay this bill off by the end of the month. Okay, so it'll basically just tell you like, here's what you need to spend per day to get back to even with this thing. Yeah, so okay. that way you can still say, okay, I've still got at least $10 a day for the rest of the month. I'm not starving myself, Okay, but I will pay for the medical thing. Gotcha. So in front, it's a good savings feature, and if you do it after, it's a good recover from an unexpected expensive thing that would yeah. otherwise decimate your budget for weeks. Interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, I may have to check that out. Also, this isn't something that was on my list, but there is another app out there, and I can't remember the name of it right now, so we'll we'll definitely put it in the show notes. It's an app where you can literally deposit money into it, or it can, I think it can deposit like a certain amount of money per day from your bank account if you want, or maybe per month. And then you can create little money silos for spending goals you have. Okay. So like say you want to buy a motorcycle or you want to buy a bunch of new clothes or whatever cool thing, this can literally save money in buckets for you. So if you're not the kind of person that can just have a single savings account and put things in there and keep track of it, that app could do it literally for you. 
That's cool. And it may even have an interest rate. Obviously, it's going to be a tiny interest rate, just like your yeah. bank account, but it may have one. Uh, I can't remember the name. We, I think, interviewed the founders on Listen Money Matters at one point. Oh, so so I'll it can be found it. and put in the notes. Yes, we can find it. We can put it in the notes. That is an option. Yeah. Oh, All wait, right. one more thing, actually. Oh, yeah. I just thought of it. Um, right now, I'm budgeting everything in that app, mm-hmm. everything and categorizing it. But if you hate doing that, I've also had success in the past just dealing with my Russell. You know, you got to kill your Russells. Right. Your biggest problem, your slowest hiker, as we mentioned in whatever episode that was. So let's say you spend too much money on groceries. You could also just say my budget for the month. My income is my whatever grocery, $200 grocery budget. Okay. That way you could only keep track of food and you would still be saving money, allegedly. Okay. Well, that's probably a good one for me. Yeah, it, if you don't want to categorize literally goes. everything, you could just say, here's my worst thing. We're going to budget just my worst thing and see what happens. Okay, that'd be smart. All right, so my second one, as I spoiled a little bit earlier, is a password manager. And so I think this is essential these days because without a password manager, it becomes very difficult to have strong, unique passwords for all of your online accounts. I think in the past, you and I did a cybersecurity episode where we talked about having maybe password tiers where you have like one strong password for your bank account and your Facebook. Yeah, I think we did like that, that at one point. And then like a throwaway password or like second tier or third tier for your Final Fantasy fan fiction forum or something like that. But I think the gold standard is to have a unique strong password for every account and for whatever account you can also have two-factor authentication with an app like Google Authenticator or Authy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and Authy Authy's a big deal there because with Google Authenticator, it's really scary to think, what happens if somebody stabs my phone? Yep. I can't get into my email. I can't get into all this stuff now. And, yeah. I'm, and some of them may not have safety features to get me back in. I would, Yeah, I would definitely recommend Authy so like, yeah. versus Google Authenticator because Authy, you have an account with a password. So if you get a new phone... You can put the password in there and you can restore your code. It's like a password manager for your two-factor authentication. Yes. Yes, it it's is. It's technically one level less safe. Sure, somebody could hack that too. But you got to balance security and not ruining your own life by getting locked out of your bank forever or something. Yeah, I guess from a risk analysis standpoint, I find it less likely that somebody would be able to hack my password manager, which has an extremely strong password, and my Authy password, which has a different strong password, than it is that I'm going to accidentally lose my phone doing something stupid like filming myself on my bike or something like that. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I'll probably do something stupid before. You're probably your own worst enemy before somebody yes. else does it. I don't think Megamind is going to hack me. Hopefully not. Um, but this isn't about two-factor authentication, though you should probably look into Authy. This is about password managers. So there's a bunch of these out there. LastPass, Dashlane, 1Password, KeyPass. I think Symantec has one. There's a bunch of them out there. Um, I started on KeyPass way back in the day, and then I used LastPass for a very long time, and I just recently switched to Dashlane. Full disclosure for everybody, Dashlane is going to become a sponsor of my YouTube channel, and I met one of the guys that works with them and got a uh, chance to talk with them a lot in New York City, which is the reason I considered switching in the first place. And I was like, I will take your money if I can test the app and find out if it's actually better than LastPass or not. So I've been testing it for the past two and a half weeks, I think, and it is better. It's better designed. Um, It does a better job at quickly logging me in to my accounts and also filling out forms. So for me, it's a workflow improvement because it saves time. LastPass never did quite as good of a job, and it also a lot of times doesn't fill both the username and the password form on certain websites. Oh, yeah. So then I have to go in and I have to copy my password, which requires me to type in my master password every time. (sighs) It gets a little annoying. Uh, That being said, LastPass is technically cheaper. So Oh, does Dashlane have a cost? uh, Yeah, I mean, LastPass and Dashlane both have premium and they both have free. Um, And Dashlane's is a a little bit more expensive than LastPass's. So I guess it's like, do you want to deal with maybe a little bit more frustration and cheaper cost per year? Or do you want like a better designed one that has a better workflow and pay a little bit more? For me, it's worth the extra, I think, $16 per year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad. And it also has, like I said, the receipt thing in it. So it scans, That's an interesting feature. I think it actually scans your emails and brings in receipts. And you can also upload them yourself. And then you can, you can uh, import or you can create payment profiles. So I think browsers do this too, but... 
it's just another nice little workflow hack where you can just like bring in your payment information automatically. And I need to test the payment thing more, but I'm guessing since you're putting in your master password every time you open the app or whenever you choose to open the app, uh, I think you can do it to like a two week cookie if you want. It's gonna be faster than the browser one, which makes you fill in certain credit card details every time. Mm. Uh, anyway, whatever you pick, I think a, la- a password manager is a good investment uh, because now you're not having the same passwords across all your accounts. Yeah. And to recap for people who didn't hear our cybersecurity episode, though I think you should go listen to it, if you have the same password on multiple accounts, then the weakest website that shares a password is the weakest link in the chain. And it's not because, like, you might think it's because like someone's gonna go log into that website and learn your password. That's not what's gonna happen. What's probably gonna happen is you're gonna have a password on one site that uses like really outdated forum software or someone's gonna get the password to like the admin area of that website from the owner because the owner was a dingus and had bad security himself. Then they're gonna go in and they're gonna make a copy of the database. And if they have a copy of the database on their local machine, then there's no limit to how many times they can try different passwords and try to match them to your password. Like if you're trying to log in at an actual standard login form, usually it's gonna be like too many attempts detected, your account is locked or reset your password or whatever. But if they can copy the database, there's gonna be a scrambled or hashed version of your password sitting in that database. Or if if the site is really bad, possibly a well, plain text did, Didn't Sony version. do that like years and years and years ago? Yeah, so great example. And this wasn't actually that many years ago. Sony, big Sony, the giant tech company you think would have this down pat, was storing people's passwords in a database in plain text. I didn't like that. I was pretty upset after I learned that. I was like, I, I yeah. can do better than this. <laughs> it's awful, right? So if someone gets a copy of the database, which someone did, someone hacked Sony and got a copy of the database, they can just copy your password and they can be like, oh, so this person's email is associated with this password here on Sony. Let me go over to every banking website in the country or let me go over to PayPal, let me go over to Facebook and try that combination. And if you had the same password on any account, now they're in. Yep. And then once they're into other accounts, they can probably glean other information about you, possibly use that to steal your identity. All sorts of bad things can happen. And even if that database has a hashed version of the password, all they have to do is figure out, all right, what's the algorithm that this site used to hash passwords? We will write a program that uses that same exact algorithm, and then we'll just start trying passwords at the rate of about a million or a second or something like that. I don't know what the actual rate that computers can do these days, but a brute force attack on an unprotected database um, could be done very quickly if your password was short. Yeah. Which there is another tip for you. Don't make your password short, like at least 10 characters. Uh, and if quantum computing ever is a thing, then maybe it won't matter. But for now, 10 characters means your password can't be cracked by brute force in like a bazillion years. Yeah, and that's the beauty like that. of the password managers is like, I don't know about Dashlane, but I know at least with LastPass, you can just be like, generate password. Yep. Let's make it 30 characters. Why not? I'll never know, but it doesn't matter because this mm-hmm. is, you can't really brute force that very well. It's going to take more than your life and you're going to... Hack somebody else, please. Yep, Dashlane has the same thing. It actually has an even bigger and easier to find button for generating a new password. Cool. Um, both of them can do it. One thing, I think LastPass might do this as well. But So both LastPass and Dashlane can, can analyze your entire account and see which passwords are weak. But one thing Dashlane can do is it apparently can actually change those passwords for you automatically. I don't know I, what I sort I of wizardry. I thought I had seen that in LastPass one time, but I've never wanted to use it because I was like, I don't know how this... Yeah, I don't know how it works. works. I don't know what sort of wizardry they I don't use feel comfortable. to actually do that. But apparently you can figure out which passwords are weak or repeated and then automatically change them somehow. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I'm going to test that. But yeah. I should test it. It'd be cool to find out how that works. Maybe they have like <clears throat> they have a setup with each of the Well, I'm sure I have some throwaway accounts companies. on like old Final Fantasy fan fiction forums or something like that. I never had an account on those, so. (laughs) I don't think I did either. But I'm sure I have an account somewhere stupid where I could test it out and see if it actually works well. Uh, So I'll report back on that in a future episode probably. But anyway, get yourself a password manager, whatever it is. My next one. In your paper notebook. Is (laughs) paper. No. My next one is BrainFM. Oh, okay. 
I like Brain FM. Yeah. It's good. So what is Brain FM it's for got people the, who have never heard of it? Yeah, so it's basically, it's like focus music. Well, it's not always focus music. They have like focus, meditation, uh, relaxing. They've got a bunch of different types of moods. Mm-hmm. And the music is algorithmically generated. And it's doing some sort of fancy brain science that I don't really care to look into too much. But I looked into it. It's a rabbit hole that goes deep. Yeah, I, d- I don't care because when I, li- when I use Brain FM, I focus better. What? Okay. I like it better. I like all the tracks. And it really helps me, especially with noise-canceling headphones. Yeah. It's the kind of music where, like, it will help me shut everything out, but I won't be distracted. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Do I don't... you get distracted with, like, pure silence? I... Thanks to my brain, I don't have pure silence. Oh, okay. There are thoughts all the time. Yeah. No, it's it's very hard to like shut things out unless I had recently been meditating. Okay. So with Brain FM, basically, if I'm already in a distracted and a bunch of things running through my head state, Brain FM can help get me back into a lightweight. Let's ignore everything again, because I basically can't function unless I shut out all the other thoughts. Yeah. If I'm trying to do something, if I need to code, the only way to do it is for nothing to exist but the code. Mm. That is where the best code comes from for me is when I can't even remember that I'm breathing. Yeah. I'm just coding. And Brain FM helps me get there better. Okay. So they have focus uh, tracks, but like you said, there's also meditation, sleep. Oh, yeah, there is there a sleep one. There may be one other one. Is it like, oh, maybe Re- a light focus? Yeah, there's a light focus. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah, I like them a lot too. Oh, you can also do... So I've, I haven't actually looked at this, so I don't know if they've changed the UI or anything. But there's there was an explore page where you could do different types of like rainforest focus, mm-hmm. ocean focus, piano focus, stuff like that. That you could theme them and pick what style of um, focus you're going for. Yeah. So I would use that to read books. Oh. So okay. if I'm reading a book, I was reading um, what is it called in English? Tale of a Shipwrecked Sailor. I think, mm-hmm. um, by, I believe, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, I think. So you're reading it in Spanish? Then? I was reading it in Spanish, yeah. Okay. Uh, and it takes place on an ocean. So I had cool ocean or storm focus, right? Oh, so cool. it really takes me into the book. It's yeah. like this is the world right now because oh, okay. I can pick, oh, this one takes place in a forest. Let's do some forest sounds focus. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in the world because I don't want to be here. Oh, traffic. That's very immersive. <laughs> Thank you for the traffic. There's lots of traffic on the ocean. Yeah, or yeah. like, or like, if I this works with other instrumental music or any sort of study music too, you know, because like if I'm picking Mozart, that doesn't go very well to me with my Lost on the Ocean story. Yeah, I would really. p- I would pick something. I want something that fits the world better. Okay. So I use Brain FM for reading too. So when you're coding, do you ever choose a track like that or do you just hit focus? And... I usually just hit focus for okay. coding. You don't care what the theme is like with coding? Yeah, not not usually. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Brain FM as well. Um, I use them occasionally, though I also use my study playlists a lot too. Yeah, I and tend I, to I have focus do... playlists as well. Yeah. But... I tend to not do the themed music for reading, but that's actually a good idea and I should probably try it. It's very immersive. Yeah. I like it a lot. I don't know if... I'll have to find one that fits the book I'm reading right now. Sometimes it's... they don't fit very well. Then I, like, fall back on a regular... Ooh. Actually, in the book I'm reading right now, they are now leaving on an ocean voyage on a pirate ship. Oh, see, there so you go. I will choose the Stormy Seas or whichever one that you mentioned earlier and try it with that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I think it's really cool. It's like it adds another dimension to reading. Yeah. Nice. All right. So my third one is an app called Rec Up. And this is a iPhone app. There's probably an Android version or something similar that can record voice notes, just like the stock voice recorder app on the iPhone. But the moment you hit your, that, that you're done, it just sends it to Dropbox. So this is great for me because I often get thoughts while driving about video ideas or ways that I want to say something in a script. I will get thoughts while I'm in the kitchen and I don't want to like, wash my hands off and then type on my phone all kinds of places not the shower because i don't bring my phone in the shower apparently one of my friends Fair brings call. his his iphone 10 in the shower and he thinks it's a fine idea but i feel like that's Wait, a great it, way I to get steam under the screen resistant or something i'm not I, risking I, it see i would be also afraid of dropping it once it gets like yes. s- slippery 
That too. And I don't have a good place to put it where like soap and chemicals are not going to get yeah, over I, it. I don't want soap in the phone. That, no. It's not soap resistant. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm leaving my phone outside of the shower. I usually listen to music on my Bluetooth speaker. And for this purpose, I actually have a shower notebook that's waterproof, like suction cup to the wall. But when I'm driving, especially, I'll often get thoughts. Obviously, I can't just write them down. Yeah, you shouldn't just be texting. You shouldn't yeah. be writing out your notes. So I could use the regular voice notes app, but then I have to manually like share them to Dropbox or whatever. If I want a way to review my voice notes on my computer, which I often do if I'm going to be writing a script and I want to pull back those thoughts, then I want something that just ports it right to Dropbox. And that's exactly what Recup does. Cool. It used to be called Dropvox but I don't know why. Maybe maybe Dropbox didn't like that name. It's Recup now. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, it's possible. Um, there was also an app, and I can't remember the name. It might have been just called Just Hit Record that gave you a record button on your Apple Watch. Oh, that's cool. And it cool. would save notes for you, but I don't think it did the automatic upload, and the automatic upload is the big killer feature But you would me. get a feel a little bit like a spy, though. It did make me feel a little bit like a spy, but oh, I also cool. stopped wearing an Apple Watch. Then I guess you're not a spy. Yeah. Yeah, I got oh, a real the watch. The two-factor auth on your watch would also be very spy-like. That was cool, but I don't know why I stopped wearing the watch. I think I stopped wearing the watch because it just like it would, it would bunch up at, like right I mean, at the wrist a, joint. It is a watch. Yeah, I don't like accessories. I don't wear any of them just because I don't like it. I like my. Um, it's uncomfortable. I have a wood watch from. Boy, I can't remember the company now. It's some company that has like Wood a nice little watches co. It's not Jord. It's not a Jord watch. It's something else, but it has like a small wooden band around it that I got from my friend Aaron, and I love that watch. Uh, and it doesn't do the same thing the Apple Watch did. The Apple Watch like bunches up at my wrist joint, so when I'm trying to type, it would just kind of oh, so there. it would get kind of stuck in exactly the wrong place. Yeah, just like you. right there, like the joint at the wrist, and it's That's not fair. painful, but it's just annoying. So I kind of stopped wearing it. Uh, anyway, what's your third one? Number three. Um, I always want to say Mambo number five when you're not saying five. Okay, so this <laughs> is actually helpful because we've, we already touched on uh, two-factor auth a little. Okay. And now I get to just use my bonus ones that I wrote in there. So, oh. yes, I was going to be like Authy and Google Authenticator, but they're very simple apps just to download them and enable them on basically everything that you can because yep. they're great. So... My third one is a bit of a, a bit of a category, like some of the ones you've been doing. It's okay. a sort of a creative project or hobby app. So right now for me, that's just Instagram because I'm sharing my photos there. Oh, yeah, yeah. P.S. Follow me, Yo Martholomew. And before, it could have been I used Evernote or the Music Memos app to record music. Musician mm-hmm. is a really cool app for learning to read yeah. music. Like I, I, I have that right now, and I'm excited to get back into it soon. Yep. And Scrivener, Scrivener is a fantastic if you're trying to write a book or something. Basically, just some sort of app that makes it so that if you if you must be scrolling through icons and things on your phone, if you must be, at least one of them is going to point you back into the direction of something you care more about. Yeah, you know. And I realize Instagram's an ironic one because a lot of people use that as a as a scroll through for nothing. I I don't use it for that. I I have to have it because I have to. When I want to post multiple photos, mm-hmm. you know, like two. Oh, like the the swipey gallery thing. Yeah, because you can't do because that you can only do like 1080, 1080 pixel wide photos. Yeah. So a lot of my stuff, I'm I'm like that's not sharp enough to show the clarity that I took here. So I want to zoom in, especially on that po- the photo of the ant. Yeah, like if yeah, people should go over to your Instagram to see that photo. That's that my favorite really photo cool. now. Yep, that's my favorite. I'm glad that they're doing well. I've almost done 100 days in a row. Nice. Which is cool. You've been better on the in the row thing than I have with Instagram. Yeah. I don't think I posted a photo in like five days because I've been just so busy with video stuff. That's fair. But yeah, basically just an app that makes your phone something good for your goals. Yeah. As as well as other nonsense. Like I budgeting's cool, right? But it's not that inspiring. Nope. Nope. It's not that inspiring. It can be fun, I guess, if you're a It's weird... fun when the number's positive, then it's That's like true. I'm going to a restaurant today because look at that money I got. That's fun, yep. but it's still not inspiring. It's not like this is what I'm living for Yeah, kind of business. Yeah, it's true. That's pretty cool. I would say my hobby app in that category would be Strava because oh, that's yeah. what I use to record my cycling miles. So Yeah, so like it's, it's not cool. really – it can't be a specific app, but there is almost certainly something that goes along with like yeah. a life goal. Find something that lets you be more of a nerd 
about your positive hobby. Yeah. Makes you feel like you. Yeah. All right. So number four for me, and this is kind of funny and ironic because you mentioned how your budgeting app lets you not deal with a huge giant Google oh, spreadsheet. Oh yeah, yeah. I remembered that you had had this <laughs> in the notes. Number four for me is a huge giant Google spreadsheet. <laughs> but yours isn't for daily purchases, no. right? So you wouldn't be tempted to constantly have to fiddle with nonsense. What's yours doing? So mine is a completely custom from the ground up built mega spreadsheet with multiple sheets that essentially runs my financial life from a planning standpoint. So I am not actually entering expenses into this thing. What I'm doing is I'm entering my average income from every source I'm, I'm entering my average expenses from every source. And then I'm using that data to see exactly what I should be making every month, how much can be dedicated to investing, um, how much can be dedicated to housing. It is a spreadsheet that allows me to make really smart decisions with my money. And this is audio, so people obviously can't see this, but I'll try to like make a picture of it for people. Yeah, describe cell A1. A1 is probably a label or something. Cool. <laughs> uh, so on the left side is sort of like the master column, and it shows gross income from every source added up into one cell, and then it will show um, all my expenses. And because I'm a business owner, I actually have expenses broken up into three categories. Business expenses that are not labor-related. So this is things like web hosting, MailChimp, um, accounting, traveling, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Business expenses that are labor. So what I pay you, what I pay Anna, what I pay Ashley, Guillermo, Tony, everyone who's on the team. Um, and then there's personal expenses. So the top part of my master left column is going to show what my gross income is minus my business non-labor expenses and my business labor expenses. I do split those so I can see what does my business cost me to run in a non-labor capacity and then what am I actually paying people? Okay. That's just a nice little at a glance thing. So from there, I can get my net income per month. I have a times 12 thing that will show me my um, likely to be year net income, but also a monthly basis as well. Then we go down to a second little area where I can input anything I'm going to be contributing to an IRA because that is pre-tax money. Anything that I'm going to be donating to charity also going to be deductible on taxes. And that gets me what you would call an AGR, adjusted or no, AGI, I think, adjusted gross income. Okay. So then on a second sheet that I built and spent way too long on, uh, that that number is piped in, and then I have some insane stuff that I barely understand anymore. Uh, it's like a matching index formula that uses a table of uh, federal tax figures that I built myself to figure out what my tax bracket is and exactly how much I should owe in taxes based on that estimated AGI. That's that's, that's pretty useful for like freelancers and stuff. Yes. Is, that, is this is this universal? People can so can people use this? Or if you're an American citizen? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess this it is American. Be, it will be universal from a federal standpoint. Okay. So that will show me what my likely to be federal taxes are. I also have built switches to to uh, run scenarios if I'm an employee or an S corporation, or an LLC, or a sole proprietor, because this affects taxes in certain ways. For example, and I'm getting really into the weeds here, when you're an S corporation, you pay yourself a salary because you become an employee of that. And then if you have extra money at the end of the year, you can pay that money to yourself in the form of a distribution, which has different tax implications than the salary. So I have buttons that will switch between that scenario and like a, a employee scenario, which allows me to run a scenario saying like, what happens if my business dies and I have to go get a job? Then I can put in like- How do I keep my lifestyle up? Yes. How much do I need to make? There's a field that I built where okay. I can put in a projected salary and that projected salary will actually replace the estimated AGI on the main spreadsheet. And then I can see, oh, well, this is how much in the hole I would be if I yeah, had to go get a to job. i kill this, this many much. things. So then I, would, I could go and like run okay. a simulation, how much would I have to cut? Or could I find a freelance job, whatever. So it allows me to run these what if scenarios, and then it also allows me to plan out expenses in the future. Um, going back to the tax part, there is a state tax thing that I'm working on improving. This is gonna be, so to, for, for reference, I'm gonna be giving people a 
generalized version of this spreadsheet in the show notes for this episode. Because I cool. I posted a picture of it on my Instagram story and a bunch of people wanted it. So I'm going to be giving that version away. The state tax thing makes it tough. And I think this is going to be where you're going to have to like finagle it for yourself. In Iowa, they use brackets just like they do for the federal. Oh, in they Colorado, don't, they don't there's like an effective tax rate based on where you live. It's not based on your income, I think. It's just like flat state and then flat municipal. So you got to figure out where do I live and what's my tax rate. I think for us, it's 8% income tax. In Iowa, I believe like it's going to be somewhere between 4 and 5 effective based on what you make. So it's really different. Yeah. So I'm working on building the crazy index matching thing with brackets for Iowa, but currently I've just gone to an online calculator, put in what I think I'm going to make this year, and then grabbed the effective tax rate and put that into a single cell. But that is there. I've built in weird logic that will account for Social Security and Medicare and the different ceilings and caps on those things. And then that will that will basically estimate, here's what you are likely to owe in federal tax. Here's what you're likely to owe in self-employment tax or FICA if you're an employee. And here's what you're likely to owe as state taxes. Here's your whole projected tax liability. And then after that, I'm like, okay, so at the bottom, the numbers that really matter, here's your take-home pay on both a yearly and monthly basis. So here is what you can reasonably assume you will actually have to spend on personal expenses in the future. Underneath that, I have a amount invested per year. And there's a whole investing column where I'm like, I'm estimating here's what I can estimate or I can invest to Vanguard. Here's how much I can invest to Betterment. Here's how much I can invest to cash savings, what have you. And it will give me a total. And then it also gives me a percentage of income saved. And then also there is a housing cell and the personal expenses. And that will show me how much I'm spending on housing per year and my percentage of income going towards housing. So those are important to me because I may have told you this before, but there's like a rule of thumb out there that you shouldn't be spending more than I think 30% of your take-home pay on your housing. Otherwise, you're going to start to feel financially stressed. And then I set a rule for myself that I should be investing at least 15% of my income. So if the investing percentage goes beneath 15%, the cell will turn red. And if the housing percentage goes above 30%, the cell will turn red. So I can see at a glance, oh, this projection is putting me into hot water related mm. to investing or housing. And then the final number is how much is left over after you've taken care of all projected personal expenses, including housing and all in projected investments. So that's like the main spreadsheet. And then the thing I just added recently, which I showed on my Instagram story, was a super detailed mortgage and housing expenses calculator. And this took all of Sunday to build <laughs> but I literally went and looked up, like, what do you pay in private mortgage insurance based on how much you put as a down payment? And I had to go figure out, like, I had to build a giant formula that takes in all these different bracket levels that banks use for how much you put down. Say, like, you put down 5% versus 15%. And then it also takes into account your credit score. Wow. So the version that I give people is going to be assuming a higher credit score. You may need to change it if you have a lower credit score and you plan on buying a house and paying for PMI. But long story short, I can now put a projected house cost, just one number. So say it's like $250,000, put it in there and it will run all these numbers based on all the data that I've researched and give me a both mortgage cost and also total monthly cost for the house. Uh, see, that's useful because all, all the house buying places, they're like, look, this is how low your mortgage would be. Yeah. And you're like, wait, that's my rent. I could afford it. But then there are the other expenses you're not thinking of. Exactly. Yeah. So just the mortgage cost isn't the only thing you need to worry about. I may be able to bring up my sheet real quick here and I can actually show you uh, a simulation I was running and it will say exactly what the difference is. So, okay. So I put in as like a total pie in the sky figure, I have $379,000 house right now because I found one on Zillow and I was like, that house is so cool. I wonder oh, so what, what, what would it happen? take? All right, so I put $379,000 cool. in there. Uh, and then I put down a $45,000 down payment, which is 11.87% of the house's price. Okay. Um, there's also a loan amount calculator. So that is going to be based on the house cost plus a projected closing costs minus your down payment. So the mortgage is $352,000, which is 
we have a loan to value ratio of 93.13. This is important for the PMI calculation. And then I have Iowa's current annual rate of interest for mortgages. You're going to have to change that based on your state and based on the time you listen to this. Uh, life of the loan, you could do 15, you could do 30. Number of payments a year, probably going to be 12. So we get a $1,700 um, mortgage payment per month. But then you also have PMI, if you're paying PMI, property taxes, which are pretty high in Iowa, homeowners insurance, monthly repair costs, monthly maintenance, electricity, water, trash, natural gas. So that all adds up to $3,200 oh, per month. Oh, see, and if you just got excited about the $1,700 <laughs> and you just went for it, you, yes. you would not be happy afterward when it nearly doubled. Wow. Exactly. So the, yeah, the property taxes alone are $565 a month on that. Now, you could probably say like, well, maybe I don't have to repair something this month, but it's, I forget but the it's actual like an... formula. Maybe I can click on it. Um, yeah, I believe it is 1% of your house's value per year should be budgeted as maintenance or monthly repair costs. So okay. for that, I did um, the house's value times 1% divided by 12 to get a monthly cost. That's fair. Because, you know, you may have to eventually replace the roof or your AC goes in the fritz and you have to buy a new AC compressor or you have to put a new boiler in your basement. You never know. So it's good to project these things. Otherwise, you're just in a broken house that you can't afford to fix. Yeah. Well, you want to budget this ahead of time, like the big spendings, you know? Yes. Like you don't want to be like, oh, my roof's broken and... Yeah, I guess it's I'm gonna stay broken. Rain coming to because my room I now. thought to myself, "Hey, nothing was broken these first several years, True. so I didn't need to save up any money for maintenance, and now I need it all." Yeah. Whoops. You know what's cheaper than new roof? A bucket. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. It's actually quite the savings. So let's just run a more uh, sane simulation. Say I find like a two hundred thousand dollar house, and. My figures now change. So at that point, my mortgage is $824 a month, and my total ownership cost per month is $1,700. Oh, see, that, that's, that's a cool because the, right? the total cost is so much – that's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know, because so I've, I've been tell looking you, at like, stuff too, and I'm just like, yeah, but I don't want to think about the other stuff right now. Yeah. I may do a YouTube video actually going through this to show that's people cool. how it works. But I also have a rent category, and that's much simpler. It's like rent plus utilities. Oh, cool. You've got like a, if you rented – Yep, so I have total rent cost, and then I have total ownership cost. And what's cool is in Excel and Google Spreadsheets, you can do something called conditional formatting, I believe. Or no, data validation. It's data validation. Yeah. Data validation basically means you can set a a list of answers that are acceptable in a cell. And if you actually build a list, the cell turns into a drop-down menu. Yep. So I have a, a cell called rent or buy, and then you can drop down and either choose rent or buy. And based on that cell's value, my housing cost um, value on the main spreadsheet is either going to pull from the total rent or the total ownership cost. So that way I can start running simulations. Here's what it currently costs me to rent. And here's what it would change to if I were to buy this house at this price. And here's how that would affect my overall budget every month, given everything else stays the same. Okay. So So if I change this to rent, let's see if I can do it on on the iPad app. Yep, I can. I just have to type it correctly. Change to rent, uh, hit that, go back over to ideal. Now it shows the rent cost cool. instead of the buy cost. So and that will this change is my a total huge, leftover. big picture. Yeah, this is thing. this is not. I highly budgeting. doubt you're not going in every day and saying, "I'm going to buy a new house tomorrow." Let's see what that is. No, you know, this is this is not day to day budgeting. This is not expense tracking. This is. Uh, it's like, what was that called where we ran a degree oh, a degree audit oh, for yeah. Clyde? Where it's like, what happens if I switch my major? You know, how many more credits this is do like I need in this like a financial life audit. It's a life audit tool for financial decisions. What happens if I want to buy myself a $300 house? Well, this is exactly what it's going to cost me every single month. And here's exactly how that is going to affect my current finances. Does it put me in the hole or am I still good? Do I have to adjust my investing decisions? Do I need to find a way to get a raise? So the version of this that I have built for everyone will have like dummy numbers and I've simplified it a little bit and added some comments. It still has my business expense categories, which you can just not use if you don't want them. But all you would need to do is go over to income sources, put what your monthly um, pre-tax pay should be based on your salary or hourly or whatever it is, and then put in your expenses and it's going to start building these figures for you. 
and then cool. you can start doing the same kind of planning work. So this is one that I think actually fits the title. I could survive without it, but I could not live this the way that I decisions. currently live without this because this allows me to not make stupid decisions. That's fair. Well, you should buy 50 motorcycles is what you should do. Don't put it in there. Ooh, okay. What happens if I if I put 50 <laughs> motorcycles, 50 motorcycle payments into the sheet? Um, I'm going to start a one-man biker gang. In the hole. That's what uh, Yeah. It's a good idea. All right. Number four for you. Number four for me. We talked about it before, but I decided to start using it again the other day. And it's Habitica. Habitica. Yeah, it's back back to Habitica just because I'm only <laughs> using it for my morning routine because I just changed it. Okay. And I, every time I was going through my morning routine, I would have to double check my list and I'd be like, wait, how far am I? What's next? I forgot the details. And it got all confusing. Yeah. So I'm using Habitica again. It If I have to use a to-do list thing of any kind, it is the one I like all the time. Okay. Because Rabbit, Wonderlist... May you know it rest in peace someday. Wonderlist is back. It's still but it's working like, at the moment, it's right? It's working, but it's but like are there still sunsetting it, right? Dying. Okay, so here's what happened. Microsoft bought Wonderlist. Yeah, they, they broke said my heart. they were going to shut it down and switch the whole team over to Microsoft to do, and then they never did it. Yeah, so it's like it's like a So Wonderlist isn't really getting updated, which is why I don't recommend it, but it is still there and weirdly like somebody tweeted about Wonderlist the other day and they were like, "Thanks to Tom Frankly," and they added me on Twitter about this, and then Wonderlist replied and they were like, "We're so glad you love our app." And I felt bad. I was like, "I can't in good conscience recommend this because there's no plans to actually maintain it." Yeah. But it's in this weird limbo state where you can still use it. Yeah, I don't. I'm not comfortable with the limbo state, you know. Because yeah. so if I put a bunch of stuff in there, it's no good. Yeah, not with an app that syncs between devices. But, yeah, I guess basically, I'm not even using this for other to dos. So if this were a category, it would be something that tracks some sort of morning routine or a bare yeah. minimum like of a daily habit things. Yeah, just just a habit tracker. Just a habit tracker. I don't use it to track like I need to do the laundry today mm-hmm. because I'm not going to listen to that anyway. I'm always going to have a laundry problem, no matter how many apps I get. <laughs> You're the worst at laundry. <laughs> yeah, I had to wait 80 minutes this morning for the dryer before I could shower because I didn't have any towels. I make some very smart decisions sometimes, I like to think, but a lot of them are dumb, too. <laughs> what are you going to do? Life's hard. Uh, I don't know how you're so bad at laundry. Because I'm bad at lots of dumb things, and I'm good <laughs> at lots of hard things. Fair enough. That's what I do. I guess it would be better than the opposite. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I'll spend all day coding, and then I'll forget to feed myself. That's life. Fair enough. All right. Habitica is a great app. I love it. My fifth and final app on the list is one called GreenShot. And this is an app that can easily take screenshots for you on your computer. This is something I do all the time, whether I need to share a screenshot to people in Slack or I need to screenshot a website to use as a picture in a video or I just want to screenshot something so I don't forget what it said. Like, I don't know, there's something really important on a website and I don't have the time to copy all the text into Evernote, screenshot it. It's good to go. Greenshot makes this super easy because there is a keyboard shortcut. So I just do, I think it's Control Shift C. It gives me a little cursor. I drag a box to wherever I want to make a screenshot and then boom, it will either, well, I can do a lot of things actually. For me, it's either save it to a specific location or copy it to my clipboard. And I think I currently have it doing both. Okay. So copying the clipboard is really useful for me to paste it into Photoshop very quickly. But if I'm not making a video and I just want to make screenshots, then I want it saving so I can then share those screenshots. And I believe GreenShot can also copy the public link to your clipboard for the saved screenshot so you can easily just link people to it. Um, on the Mac, there is now a GreenShot. It was Windows only for a long time, but oh. it's now there. The other nice thing about GreenShot is that you can open your screenshot in a little editor if you want to quickly annotate it. So say you're working on a team and maybe you're the coder and you're working with the designer. The designer can screenshot something in the design, open it up in the little editor, and then highlight whatever they're trying to tell you about so it's much clearer what they're talking about. So I, I think a good screenshot app that has a good workflow is very useful for team communication over long distances. That's cool. Just super useful. And I will note that I believe if you have Dropbox on the Mac, you can just use Dropbox or um, the OS X's built-in screenshot tool and it will automatically upload to a Dropbox folder, but you don't get the copying to clipboard, you don't get the editor, you don't get all that. 
Yeah. So it's just a nice feature set you get with ScreenShot. And ScreenShot is open source and free. Yeah. I've been using ScreenFloat for screenshots, but I don't... Flow or Float? Float. But I don't know that it has all those features. I use it for something different. It's good for when I'm coding. Because you take the screenshot and then it floats around and you can drag it and it just stays there on your screen no matter what. So I like take a screenshot of the design that it's supposed to look like, float it up next to the thing I'm building and keep coding until it looks the same. Yeah. I don't I don't know that it has the editing things. It doesn't seem like a collaborative tool that I'm aware of. I don't think it has those features, but I'm glad you bring it up. But it's cool for like coding and stuff at least. The reason I didn't mention screen float is because I don't think there's a Windows alternative to it. No, I don't think is there sad, is. That's that's but, a secret bonus Mac only one. Yeah, it's 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 one of the few like purely Mac only tools that I really like and would be sad to lose if I switched to full yeah, Windows. It'd, it'd be nice if there was a Windows alternative. So on my desktop, I have two monitors, so I don't really care because I can screenshot something yeah, and bring it up in the other monitor. True. But on one monitor right with laptop, it's really nice to be able to screenshot something small. Say you have like a list of something that you need to reference, but you can't really fit it on the screen with whatever yeah. application you're using. Yeah. Screen float. It's just useful on like a MacBook, you know, because you don't got a lot of room. Yeah. If I had those two giant monitors, I probably wouldn't need that feature. Well, but... with the two giant monitors, I also never need spaces, like virtual desktops. Oh, yeah. You don't need it. You got two giant 4K monitors. But when you're on a tiny laptop screen, virtual desktops, screen float, it's all, yeah. it's all really helpful. Uh, so that's my fifth one. What's yours? Oh, Mambo number five is... I'm guessing it's not screen float. No. It's uh, just six weeks. It's the okay. it's a workout app. I talked about it before in an old episode. Recently started using it again. Okay. I, had, I had stopped my complicated workout stuff because I was... I needed to focus on cooking and eating more. You know, yeah. without enough calories, you can't really bulk up. So just six weeks... Um, I don't know if it's on Android, but once again, I'll check for an alternative. So it's an iOS app where it's got five types of basic body weight exercises. Well, So it's all stuff you can do at home. Yeah. You need a pull-up bar for pull-ups, I suppose. But the part that I like about it is let's let's say it's pull-ups. So first, I'll hit pull-ups, and the very first thing it wants me to do is first do as many pull-ups as possible as you can do in one set. Mm -hmm. Give us that number. Then take a few <clears throat> days. And then that's kind of your first workout. So and it assumes every week has three days. So I'm just doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So then on day one, it will be like, based on the number you did as your first thing, as your first set, we started you here. We're going to do do a set of four. Now it's going to count down from 90 seconds. It's going to give you a forced rest period. Then it's going to say, do another four. Then do five then do four, then do three and as many more as you can in that one set. That's your end set. Okay. So then come back to it on Wednesday. Now it's going to say we're week one, we're day two now. And it's going to slightly up the numbers and it's going to keep slightly upping the numbers until I believe it reaches a goal of doing 20 pull-ups in one set. I haven't gotten to the end yet, Okay. but I used to be able to do that and I'd like to do it again. Yeah. It's got push-ups and sit-ups and stuff. But the, the part I like about it is it's basically like a really minimal coach. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's telling me exactly what to do for each set. It's making me do multiple sets because I'm, I'm really lazy about that. If I have nothing <laughs> telling me to do multiple sets, I'll just, be, I'll just do a bunch at once and I'll be like, that's it. Yeah. We're good now. The workout was 30 seconds. Bye. But I really like being told exactly what to do knowing that I will slowly be advancing if I just do it. Mm-hmm. I have been noticing that using FitBod, I'm more likely to do the third set of the workout for each exercise. Going to the gym with just a workout program up in my head and not tracking what I'm doing in each set, it's more likely that I will try to just do two sets and then. Sort uh, it's of really my way easy out. to justify it. Yeah. You know, today I'm tired. I'll do it better next time. Yeah, I'm just not feeling it today, man. But with this, I'm <laughs> like, I'm not gonna want to fail the numbers. And if you do fail the numbers, you can be like, actually, I could only do two this set, and it'll yeah. readjust its formula so that you're not like screwed for the rest of your life as yeah. it keeps having higher numbers. Yeah, exactly. But but just it's, it's useful to track any sort of workout tracking coaching thing mm-hmm. that can help you do stuff. Yeah, so what, just six weeks, you said? Just six weeks, because cool. I believe the goal is that you hit your max in six weeks. Gotcha. So there's that. I use FitBod. There's also Fitocracy, many others Yeah, I there. used to love Fitocracy. That one was pretty cool. Fitocracy is like the Habitica of workout yeah, tracking. Yeah, it is. It is. It's cool. It's like you get points for every rep you do and things like that. I got into that back in college. Yeah, I liked that a lot so back then. It, to a dangerous degree. But now <laughs> now I like need something simpler is all. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, there you have it. Ten and maybe more. Actually, I think we ended up... There were there were several bonuses. Probably talking about 13 different apps or tools that uh, at least help us live the lives that we want to live, improve our workflows, do all kinds of cool stuff. So obviously, all these are going to be linked up in the show notes. So you're going to want to go over to CIGpodcast.com slash 121, I think. 221. 221. Yeah. We're not going back like two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100 episodes off. CIGpodcast.com slash 221 because yeah. this is episode 221. Or if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, there's going to be a link to those show notes in the video description. So check that out. Um, you will also find in the video description the link to my public and more generalized budget modeler spreadsheet thing. Uh I will have to say up front that I can't really provide personalized support for that thing. So if you don't really understand spreadsheets, this is your opportunity to learn how to understand spreadsheets. Actually, I think building this budget modeler taught me so much about Excel. I barely knew anything about it when I started this thing. And then I just started having to Google, like, how do I build a formula that adds two numbers together? And then eventually, how do I index and match a bracket for tax bracket things? Yeah, I don't know how to do that one. (laughs) I don't even remember how to do it. I can look at the formula and try to piece it together, but I would have to go back into the Excel references and try to figure out what index and match is even doing. I know it's somehow finding whatever tax bracket I'm in based on my income. I just don't remember how it does it. It's kind of complicated, but you can start playing around with it. And uh, with a little bit of fiddling, I think you, you will be able to make a pretty decent budget modeler for yourself. Obviously it's not going to fit everyone's needs. So tweak it to your liking. For example, currently it does nothing for uh, planning for like homeownership tax credits. Like you can deduct mortgage interest and you can deduct things like that if you itemize in your taxes. My spreadsheet does not have anything for that right now. Yeah. Well, in order for it to cover literally every financial possibility of every person listening right now, it would have to be enterprise level software this, that we sold for hundreds of dollars. Yes, this, yeah. it would have to be <laughs> insane. This is something I'm this giving is away a great, for free. Great, great starting point here. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start for big picture thinking. <laughs> I did want Andrew to turn this into software at one point, but that that project got kind of tabled. Maybe in the future. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Uh, you can also go over to collegeinfogeek.com/resources to find all of our favorite apps, books, gear we recommend, our list of things you should bring to college, our essential reads list, all kinds of cool stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, and we're going to have a new website pretty soon. Yep. So it's going to be even that more slick. That is a fact. Yeah, and It'll fast. be so slick. It'll be so slick. It's going to be great. I'm pretty excited for that. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player of your choice, you should definitely do so. That gets the episodes directly to your device or your device every single week, every Monday morning. It's like the easiest way to listen to them. And if you have been listening on Apple Podcasts, a great way to support the show is to write a rating and review over on the Apple Podcasts marketplace. That really helps the show out, bumps it up the rankings, gets it out to more people. So uh, we really appreciate you if you do that. We also just appreciate you for listening in general. So thank you as always, and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.